0: Alrighty people, welcome back, Blind Love Radio I'm your host, Anna Rosen And today is the Cancer New Moon Which feels really good I'm feeling good, are you feeling good? I really like Cancer season um, It's a very, I feel like it's a very feeling season <laughs> it's very watery, but it feels slow and soft and kind and homey. All of like the good aspects of like baking a chocolate chip cookie. Just that nostalgic love of being home. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but you got know what I'm trying to say, I think. If you know, you know, right? Um. So, yeah, I'm so excited to release this episode with Jubilee. Oh, my gosh. She is a returning guest of the pod. If you didn't listen to her first episode, that one was really fun, too. This one is just, I feel like, a whole nother level. It's so cool to see everything that she's done. We talk so much about these astrology poems that she wrote, this anthology that she has published. It is amazing. Um, I want everybody to check it out. Oh my gosh, they really just capture the essence of the season. It's so cool. I am a creativity nerd, and this is so creative. I'm obsessed. Um, So we're going to get into that. We talk about just creative projects in general. We really go into the Nine of Wands, which is kind of random, but it really, I think, pertains to creativity and the creative process. I loved what she had to say on this card so we kind of get into some tarot. We nerd out about some tarot. Um, Of course we nerd out about astrology and creativity. We talk about at the end about her relationship and how she's going to honor that with ceremony and how she's making that ceremony her own which is just so beautiful. I loved hearing about that. Um so oh there's just so many amazing facets to this conversation. So, I will link where you can find more info about Jubilee where you can find her offerings where you can find her book and I hope that you enjoy this episode what's not to love (laughs) really I think about this episode a lot like from the time that we did it till now I feel like it pops into my mind Um, especially when I'm going through like oh hard or challenging um I don't know I feel like creativity is everywhere so even just like life event um when you're trying to like keep going and push through something um I just love what she had to say about the nine of wands it's just so pertinent to everything um you guys are gonna love it she is just a creative genius I will say if you haven't checked out her pottery, I will link that also in the show notes. She's making me, I've commissioned her to make me a pregnancy, um, mother mug and a little baby mug to match. So I'm obsessed. She made me this mug and she did this amazing lotus on it which was very indicative of our last conversation which you should go back and listen to and it is definitely the most used mug in our house I love it I love everything about it she somehow like infuses this beautiful energy into the piece um she's amazing she's amazing You guys are going to love it. You're going to love this convo. And I hope that you have an amazing Cancer New Moon Day or whenever you're listening to this. Apologies for the heavy breathing once again. The baby is really crowding my lungs. (laughs) So have some grace with me. The podcast will be going on a mini hiatus as I give birth soon. Please send me good vibes for that whole situation. Seems slightly intimidating, the whole thing. Um, But I figure if every single person in the world has been birthed and born, then I can do it too, right? But send me the good vibes anyway. I need them um but this is not goodbye forever this is just see you later and i can't wait until next time to get on the pod and connect with you guys again but until then enjoy this episode enjoy the archives there's so many good episodes in the library um enjoy them enjoy this one i love you lots big smooches Okay, so welcome. Introduce yourself again. Hi,
1: my name is Jubilee, and I am a mental health counselor slash poet slash potter slash whatever interests
0: me today. You're the most amazing potter that I have ever known. Oh,
1: I'm going to take that in. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I can't tell you like your mug is our go-to mug we fight over it it's like as soon as it's clean it's used it's, it's amazing it just fits in your hands so well the artistry uh, it's, it's not too thick like a lot of uh, like mugs that you get that are handmade I feel like are really thick mm-hmm And it's, like, Mm -hmm. delicate enough, but it's, like, sturdy enough where it's not going to be broken. I just can't say enough good things.
2: Oh,
1: I love hearing that they're loved. Like, of all the things about being a potter, knowing that you'll get to hold something every day that just reminds you how much I love you. Because that mug is a resurrection story. Um everything the first time that went through the firing the glaze was like bubbly and had cracks in it and so I put them through the kiln a second time not knowing whether that would fix it or save them because I almost lost all of them but they came out like intact the second time around but it was definitely like this moment I had to choose was like okay, do I let this go and just start again, or do I give them a second chance? And I'm so glad I did, because like when I made the mug, it was obviously purely with you in mind, with splashes and lotuses, and I wanted you to get to hold it.
0: Yes. Oh my God, I love it. I love that it got resurrected, too. That's such a better story. (laughs) Yeah. I had a Phoenix moment. Yes. Are you still throwing stuff and creating stuff or are you more I know you're doing poetry which we will get into mm-hmm.
1: uh yeah I mean
0: I'm always
1: such a small batch potter and I really love doing requests particularly for people that I love and get to think about as I make the thing I had a couple of stranger find my etsy and buy my mug but it was just a real experience for them to go off into the world and never hear about it again or you know one person didn't even like leave a review <laughs> and i was like
2: oh i don't like this
1: like i want to hand <laughs> i want to hand this thing that i spent hours on into hands of people that i know will love it and it's not really like a great business model but it, it is the most meaningful
0: and satisfying way for me to be a potter I feel like small business art is not the great business model in general. <laughs> yeah.
1: There are some potters on Instagram though, that like sell out immediately but they could just make and kind of make and I get so attached um and just spend way more hours on any given piece than we could ever like recoup financial rewards for, so I just try not to make it about money and allow pottery to fund more pottery. That's yeah. my only goal is for it to be self sustaining art.
0: That's the like the best goal, I think, is when you have a a hobby that can fund your hobby. Or like it invests in itself, so then at least you're not spending money on materials and you can just like do the thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty cool that
1: mugs that get more mugs, and it's just endless. So, have you made anything
0: like that you are just in love with recently, pottery-wise?
1: I have a whole uh, kiln load that's probably getting fired around now, and I don't know if any of them are going to make it through because that's the thing about firing is. It's the last stage. You have the least amount of control and you might lose everything simultaneously. Who you knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a dear friend that her chart of the year was Leo rising.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was really, it really led her towards more play and ease in herself. And so she wanted a mug that represented Leo. So I did this, like, Profile of a lion. That's mane is turning into a sun. But she's also planting a new garden. She's moved homes, and so I put all of her favorite flowers around. And I really, really love getting to encapsulate something that somebody loves that I've never thought to make or fall in love with. Like this year, I've gotten to do like rhinos and moose and lions and they're just not things that like I am like oh I'm going to go make that thing but I get to fall in love with them because the people I love love them and get to fall, in, fall for a different part of nature in the world
0: I love that I love being able to do different things
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: I want you to make me a baby mug or like a mug for oh. when I have my baby like in honor of the baby, Le Le the baby, <laughs> I have to do that.
1: I read this. I'm guessing that you want one for you. And this year, I made like little baby Yoda super sick mug for my niece and nephew.
0: That is so six. cute. My mom made him a little Yoda hat, so I feel like it's oh, well, very Grimbo. on brand. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and
1: um, I made them without handles, and my niece and nephew immediately were like, Where is my handle? <laughs> I was like, you, You're three and five <laughs> handles. But they they knew they had been slighted <laughs> been in my handle department. <laughs> it just made so much more sense.
0: That's so cute, though.
1: Yeah. Well, we should talk about uh baby celebration month.
0: Yes. And let's I how we will. can
1: encapsulate this phase in your life. In yes. The
0: I will definitely be making a formal request. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, so tell me about your whole poetry journey. Oh, okay. Well, I
1: went to grad school. Or mental health counseling and it was the moment where I realized I had an interior world and I was much more of a listener an external observer up to that point and I became self-aware in a way that I had never before been all of a sudden at 22 which maybe happens to a lot of 22 year olds in different ways um, but I began journaling and the very first poem I wrote, I wrote in a graveyard after walking around and seeing all these um, gravestones that had roles like mother or wife on them. And my very first poem was something along the lines of like, uh, say I was something more. Say I was like a life lived fully and deeply and not just my roles but my whole self. And from then on, I filled journal after journal full of poems. And they lived there in secrecy for a very long time. Um, and it was really only in this last year that I began first moving them out of journals into like the Google Docs so they were actually accessible and I could see them. And that took months because I have over 500 poems from across that journey of years and when I proposed to my partner in May of last year is the first time that I handed him all the poems I'd written about him over the years and the first time I let him read my poetry because that felt like the best Way for him to know what I actually meant when I said I love you, and for him to understand the like complexity of what it meant to love him for me, and the journey I'd actually taken, and that was all laid out in my poem. And
0: that is so then. sweet. <laughs> <I don't laughs> see such what a is winding <laughs> road from starting in a graveyard. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> from graveyard to romance. Um, yes,
1: <laughs> well, and I, I have always felt a bit like somewhere along the lines. There's a line from one of my favorite poets, Andrea Gibson, and in it they say, "I time capsuled my voice box until I was either brave enough or scared enough to dig it back up." Um. And so I do feel like at some point I walked down my voice box. Like I stopped singing and I stopped making poems and I stopped looking inward. And it's been this gradual process of unlocking that and letting, letting what has been sashed inside blossom out. And I have participated in this poetry marathon that you can do either like a 12 hour or 24 hour marathon where each hour you write a poem with my little sister for three years now and you can submit to their anthology if you complete the half or full marathon and it wasn't until this year that I was like okay I'm going to do that and the poem that they ended up choosing for that was the one where I talked about making visible and vocal your love affair of words. And it felt like it felt like I found the key to my voice box. Like I I opened it up with that poem and getting to hold my poem in physical form surrounded by all these other beautiful poems. Um felt like a pivotal another pivotal moment in that poetry journey.
0: When did you write the poem in the 24-hour period? Because that would give us, like, its rising sign. Oh,
1: um, that was last year in... Goodness, it's definitely on my, my calendar.
0: But I can tell you... Or just like what time of day? Oh, well, that's the cool thing is that each of the poems was an hour. So it was hour nine of 12. So when did we start? When did we start?
1: You and I today.
0: No, I mean, like, when did you start the 12-hour period? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to... Oh, okay, you're working on it. <laughs>
2: Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you a calendar. for are to Capricorn this. Go find the exact date. You're like, I'm working on it. Hold on. <laughs> uh, June... June twenty sixth twenty twenty one. At and you start at like I think my little sister
0: and I start at like seven AM <clears throat> So it would have been like four PM you wrote it? Probably. Do yeah. you have the rising signs memorized? <laughs> <laughs> Not for this
1: particular, po- like I, I pulled up chart for my book because the day that I printed my book was actually my birthday and it turns out that um, purely by coincidence, my book is a Capricorn sun like I am and a Libra rising like I am, but was a Leo moon.
2: Ooh, uh, Leo and, Moon.
1: Yeah, and Leo's my Midhaven, and you know is something I'm always trying to figure out how to be visible in the world with my heart. And Where's one, your and North Node? It is in Pisces. I I um, set the book free to the public when the sun was conjunct my north node in
0: Pisces that's right that's so cool
1: yeah yeah so definitely felt like well because Jupiter has also passed over over my north node in this time period too and so there's been a lot of conjunctions with that just in the last couple of months
0: how has that all been for you? How was Pisces season? <laughs> well, you know, it's been
1: a very interesting space after publishing the book because I haven't, I think I, the thing I learned this Pisces season was that endings are an illusion. <laughs> like, like trying to mark where something began or where something ends isn't really a very Piscean energy because I kept thinking okay once I print the book it'll be the end and I'll move on to a different project It And was like no okay when I release it no okay when I do these updates because I forgot a layer in one of the collages in the first printing and I had to go back in and add it back in and And now, like, we're doing this podcast and, like, there's been this whole, like, oh, I thought that I would be done with this milestone, but really what it's meant is that it's initiated a new phase of ending the seed that was planted and sprouted, but it still needs watering and attention. And so Pisces felt like it taught me not to either prematurely seek endings or even to look for them as much as staying in cycle and knowing that my attention might shift in how I'm pending or what I'm doing and now I'm in relationship to this book as it moves out into the world and the vulnerability of that
0: forever (laughs) like that that's not it's never really going to end now That's so interesting. I picked a card for this conversation, of course. And I picked the nine of wands. And Mm. I picked with it reflection.
2: And it Mm -hmm. made me think
0: about like resting within the cycles and kind of like pausing. But like it's always kind of continuing. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you feel like that's going on with other things besides just the book or, like, any thoughts on the Nine of Wands? Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: there's something really interesting about the shift in energy across the stages, Uh, particularly a creative or a passion project. And how invigorating that first spark is when you first come into a relationship with an idea and how exhilarating that is and how as you become familiar, you begin to notice the actual complexity that that needs pending and how many people you'll actually need to involve that support you along the way. And I think nine really feels apt for this moment where you have passed through so many things and that initial energy isn't sparking and sparkly in the same way but it's this consistent heat and warmth and still needing to tend to something that has energetically transformed so much over the process, and I think you can get really attached to the beginning stages of something, right? That initial sparky, delightful interest stage of things, and you can get discouraged as you discover all the like actual complexities that it will take, and all the things you'll actually have to learn to make a thing, or the number of people you'll actually need support from along that way, and at any one of these stages, you can decide the burden is too heavy. But I think nine in particular feels like when you're really feeling how long you've been on a journey and how, how heavy this thing has grown over the course of time. But also really beautiful in the intimacy of it and the sitting down to get to know it in that stage as well and to love where you're at in the process
0: oh my god I love that so much I love when you said like the warmth of it like the Mm. consistency and the warmth because the like I love a new start and starting something new um And I feel like when you're in, like, that Nine of Wands moment, it feels very messy and burdensome, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. think, like, reframing it as, like, you're really being intimate with it is such a mm-hmm. cool lens yeah. to look at it.
2: Yeah, well,
1: and I don't know if this feels true to where you're at in pregnancy, but I imagine that's part of the journey of being pregnant like oh when my it's God, like
0: super yes. new <laughs> it was very <laughs> so exciting like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah. still is
0: exciting but like I feel like a lot of you know just like not problems come up but challenges mm-hmm. around it and you're just like oh man like I came into it very naive too as mm-hmm. I do most things in my life where I'm like, oh, like, it can't be that hard. Like, I don't know if it's the Capricorn in me or, like, the Pisces, where I'm just, like, wishful thinking, and I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I see why people say that it's so hard. Like, what? I'm in the end of my second trimester, and I'm like, I could see how this could get really uncomfortable by the third trimester. Like, mm-hmm. cause you just look at people like pregnant people and you're like, Oh my God, it looks so fun to like have a big belly and it's so cute. And I can't wait to get to that part. And then I'm like, Oh, like that's cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's very
0: interesting.
1: I wonder how almost essential for creativity it is for you to not focus on the nine of wands energy <laughs> in yes. the like ace of wands space
2: <laughs> if you
1: were just always focusing on like oh at some point it's gonna feel real cumbersome <laughs> and heavy ah never mind so you know i think that's why tarot starts with
2: the fool
0: you know it's really interesting because i keep getting the ace of wands reversed like, mm. it comes up a lot. Like, maybe, uh-huh. like, every couple weeks I'll get it, like, a couple times. And I got it yesterday. And that makes me think of, like, I didn't really, like, get it. I was, like, I never really get it. Like, sometimes I think it's saying, like, send my energy downwards. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, like, I'm, like, overthinking too much. And I need to be, like, a little bit more grounded. Um uh-huh. In my energetic pursuits, perhaps. But I love the idea of, like, re-sparking something. Like, finding the reason why you started something. Like, when you're in that Nine of Wands energy and you can, like, come back to the original reason. Because I think that's, like, what really takes you, can carry you through.
1: Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that ties into the reflection theme.
0: Yes. Uh...
1: At nine, if you just keep trudging through and don't return back and reflect on what sparked this in the first place. What is the seed of love and excitement that made me risk going on this fiery journey? Um, then it does just become labor. It just becomes <laughs> Um, effort without the I don't know, joy or enthusiasm that started the whole thing. So
0: random thought, but so you have your South Node in Virgo. <laughs> I'm having like a very Virgo year. Like, yeah, my chart of the year is like a virgo rising and i'm having i have a hermit year this year Mm -hmm. which is virgo and i feel like being pregnant is very virgo um yeah so what is your virgo advice as being your south node do you feel like do you do you feel like you've come from a Virgo place? Or, like, how do you view your south node? Do you feel like it's, like, a past life thing or what? Hmm. Well, <laughs> my
1: beloved is a double Virgo with a Virgo Mercury. Oh. Um, so I feel like in some ways I have outsourced my Virgo.
2: <laughs> I'm like,
1: Okay, I've I've done this, so you get to be the Virgo for both of us Um, because he has a beautiful eye for detail and uh, he's taught me to love a lot about Virgo when, for me, Virgo's in my 11th house and I have felt a lot of challenge in participation in groups and also a lot of longing too but also just like inexplicable dread or fear of the crowd and like crowd mentality or the ways that belonging can be taken away in a crowd without you being aware of that and I think that some of that has to do with this lifetime, but it also feels so deep in my like core that I am curious. <laughs> that is something to do with other experiences and other lives. Um, but I could read you my Virgo poem. I think it oh is. Oh my God, yes. Okay. I think it encapsulates my. My understanding of the gift of Virgo. Let me just pull that Virgo is greeted by the earth, dressed, dressed lushly green, crowned golden rice. Walk fields overflowing, trails fingers over seeds needed for next year's planting. Senses the cold, crisping the edges of night, the sun's lengthening absence. Virgo, granted abundance, devotes itself to the stewardship of life. Gathers stores for winter's rest, has the foresight to celebrate bounty and to tend its allotment. To save and sustain through the scarcity comes.
0: Wow. That feels so Nine of Wands. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Well, I think that's the
1: really interesting thing to me about uh, because the whole project of Stars and Seasons my book is that I wanted to look at what environment and what point in the collective cycle of the year that each sign is born into and Virgo is born into a space of harvest where there is so much abundance but somebody has to be aware that you need to put put aside and do the calculations of how much you'll need to make it through the scarcity. And nine of wands does feel like it's a moment where you have so much. I'm just thinking the squash. I don't know if you've ever grown squash, but pretty much anybody who's ever grown squash ends up with so much squash that you don't know what to do with it anymore and are just looking for people to take squash off your hands. Um, And so, to a certain extent, that, like, profound abundance, um, the interesting thing between the words, like, excess and abundance is abundance is something desirable. And excess often has this negative connotation. But they're really the same thing, just depending on how you look at it. So, in Nine of Wands, you do have an excess in some way of um, how much has grown out of what you initially started or how much something has grown. And it's just like, mental shift of remembering that it's abundant. Is that making sense?
0: Yes, and that's so interesting. (laughs) No, because my immediate thought is, like, even when something's good, I think when there's a lot of it or there's a lot going on, I can feel overwhelmed.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But that idea of like distincting between excess and abundance and how they're like the same thing is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we
2: often
1: say, like, everything in moderation, which is such a Virgo-like, how do you moderate? How do you...
0: How do you sustain? How do you distribute?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you put aside for the future and the next generation or the next season? There's this foresight, I think, in Virgo's ability to look forward
0: That is so cool. Okay, so I think it's really interesting too that you talked about like the south node in Virgo like kind of getting lost in a crowd with it being in like your 11th house and this uh-huh. fear of like this fear, but also this longing. Like I feel the uh-huh. same way about my south node. Mine is in... Um, my 10th house in leo where Uh i feel like uh very scared to be seen but i also Uh really want to be seen like i really want my art to be seen but i feel like it's a little bit too like personal
2: Mm -hmm.
0: i just love that i think that's so interesting i wonder why that happens (sighs) oh
1: I mean, I'm just feeling that in my body. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, I've, um, one of the things that I've realized is that I deeply value safety in my intimate relationships and have managed to construct a lot of that and complex safety in the sense that I know that people are going to bump into me and I'm going to bump into them, but I trust that we have the capacity to repair. So I've been able to, I often think that growth kind of happens in concentric circles, where we take it to the next concentric circle as we're ready to practice that growth on a new level. And everybody's concentric circles look different. Like for some people, it's easier to go from practicing it with yourself to your partner, to your family. Some people, it looks like practicing it with your friends and then your partner and then maybe work and then maybe your family, depending on what your concentric circle kind of diagram feels and looks like. And I feel like I've gotten to practice that with the poetry of it began with myself and then moved out to my little sister is always my next concentric circle and then my partner, and then it moved out to friends. And I very intentionally handed each of my my closest friends who are acknowledged in my book, I handed them the book before I shared it with anybody else so that my first experiences of the book being held would be the most nourishing and safest ones possible. And then at some point, safety, is no longer a guarantee. As you get bigger and as you move out of those concentric circles, safety is not possible on those greater circles and stages. And the safety that is possible is how you hold yourself and how your community holds you if unsafe elements do arise. And in some ways, you can't both participate and be perfectly safe (laughs) as much as you can have safe places to return from challenging or unsafe experiences. And I think one of the things I've discovered with this process is that I don't want the unsafe people in the world to get to dictate whether I participate or not and that has been I I mean it's ongoing it's not (laughs) like I feel totally solid in that but um yeah like this is the next concentric circle talking to your podcast audience versus talking to like the small audience I have on Instagram and I know it is less safe on some level because there is more people involved and so that's been a journey but because those other concentric circles feel so stable and my relationship to myself and my closest people and my intimate community that I feel more capable to venture out and risk
0: That feels like such a beautiful metaphor for or explanation for Pisces in the fifth house, like Mm. trusting your art with the collective or like with everybody, no matter who they are. Um, Uh And I love that idea of like not letting the people who feel unsafe keep you from doing the thing. That's huge.
1: Yeah, so I imagine Leo in the 10th house, right? Because I have that Leo mm-hmm. in the too. It's like, oh, that's, that's such a big scale to have your heart visible on it and is. your heart visible on. And ultimately, it's not, you're probably not going to be able to meet the condition of being perfectly safe that your body really wants to have in order to go and make your heart visible
0: I love the idea of like creating a foundation where you do feel safe first so Mm -hmm. then it's like a little less nervous to your nervous system yeah
1: well I mean I think about those like first steps that like little kids take and how so often it's into these like inviting, encouraging arms, and as they get steadier and steadier, they like walk in more and more environments. And as you develop the skill, and I don't know if we give ourselves that as adults a lot of the time, like those steady, loving, encouraging arms to take first steps into, or don't know to ask for them. But I think they're really, really good for your nervous system to have those first experiences but we so often do it into social media which is an amazing tool and it is a very leaky container like it does not have a whole lot of integrity because even the people who really care and want to cheer you on might not see the thing or Mm -hmm. like there's so many ways that you cannot get caught in that environment just by virtue of the way that environment is set up But that's so often where most of us are taking our first tentative steps and doing something. Because that's kind of the normal (laughs) way to do things in our moment in time. But I have found it so much more lovely and creates so much more ease to let the people I love know, I'm about to take a really shaky step. Will you catch me? And start there.
0: What perfection year are you in?
2: I don't know.
0: How old are you?
1: I'm thirty three.
0: So I think you'd be in a 10th house perfection year because I'm 32 and I'm in a ninth house. And I think it goes by age. Will you tell me a little bit about a perfection year? I don't know that I heard this. Okay, so perfection years are basically like you see a chart, right? And it starts like Uh your first house is your first year. So you're like perfecting whatever's in that sign or whatever's in that house. Mm-hmm. Um. So right now I'm in like a ninth house perfection year, which is cancer. So it's mm-hmm. like becoming a mother, like very literal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look at you doing the thing.
0: you <laughs> me doing the thing. Last year was an eighth house perfection year in Gemini. So it was a lot of therapy. <laughs> A lot of, like, talking about my feelings and my fears. Um, The year before that, seventh house in Taurus. So it was, I got a job at a flower shop as a florist. Um, So, like, it's very, it's just very literal to me. It feels like, like, you have Mm -hmm. a little bit, it just, like, kind of shades your year. Okay. Which I feel like you're having, like, a 10th house in Leo. Like, you're giving your... You're sharing your art with the world. Yeah. (laughs) I could
1: definitely definitely see that. Because it is just... It is, um... Gone from being on the verge of doing that thing to just kind of moving in every direction simultaneously to do that thing. Because um, the other thing I started doing, which feels very Pisces to me, is creating videos <clears throat> that go along with my poem. And oh, I saw poem. your
0: Aries one. That was so cool. <sighs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, I go out into like my local nature in the season. Well, a little bit before the season, most of the time, so that I have time to edit and make the video. Um, and capture clips and images that feel like they communicate what, um, what matches for the poem and the season and, um, and it's a totally new art form that you just started doing and sharing um, immediately. And it obviously feels less tender in some ways, but tender in other ones. And so there's just all these layers of visibility. There's publishing poems and there's making videos and there's doing spoken word and participating in anthologies and vocal projects and just went from doing nothing to doing a everything. ton of visible things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> everything.
2: <laughs>
1: um, so I, I can definitely see that having a lot of <laughs>
0: energy to it. So visible So visible. Will you read us your Leo poem? Or am I asking too much? No, not at all. I'd happily read
1: you the Leo poem. Okay. Leo rises with the sun. Landscape illumines a world etched in light. Born between spring's planting and fall's harvest is gifted long days to create languid afternoons of necessary rest, fiery nights for dance and play. Leo carries the law of gravity in its solar chest. From this core draws the strength to stand center stage to share light through the heart Every break, braving beyond survival struggle, the joy of being.
0: Wow, I love the last <laughs> line.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder if um, both you and I, with our you and your South Node and me and my Leo tent house visibility really need that remembering of the ace of wands the joy i forget the all.
0: joy a lot like i <laughs> like <laughs> i love doing it Or it's not even that i love doing it it feels very natural to do it um mm-hmm. and there's something in me that like craves it and it just It feels like it's born to do it. Like, it's just primal in a Leo way. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think I can forget the joy of it. And then it becomes like an angry tiger instead of a happy tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, well then
0: it goes nine of wands. <laughs> yes. And it's just like hunting hunting to hunt rather than like mm-hmm. hunting to like live or um mm-hmm. I guess like a more of a survival mode rather than like a thriving, like joyful playing in the sun. Which I feel like a lion can do both. Yeah
1: yeah well, I mean part of this poem was inspired by how much rest lions actually is <laughs> like,
0: how much oh, that's so and... interesting to think about
1: yeah my um uh each of the poems comes with a collage, and Leo is this beautiful son that has like the imprint of a uh, lion's face in it, but the hidden secret is that it's a lioness instead of a male lion. Um
2: Love. because
1: they are so so fierce, and I'm always intrigued by way, why we default. Um, but yeah, there's if you actually watch their behavior. Big cats. Like if you give a big cat a box, they do what other cats do, except that they just end up. Mushing and sitting on top of a box. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things to watch. is big cats, the foxes. They That's just end up funny. on top of them at the end like triumphant.
0: I love that. Wow. Um how do you feel about your fourth house? Oh. I know I'm like very random.
1: No, that's okay. I, I can keep up. Uh, fourth house is Aquarius for me. So, it's very... Um, my mother's a Capricorn and my father's an Aquarius. And my IC is like zero degrees Aquarius. So, my roots are literally right between my parents' spine.
0: Oh, my God. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Aquarius is where my Mercury is. And it is retrograde. And. So it has always. Felt like part of.
0: How do you feel during Mercury retrogrades? Because I have a retrograde Mercury too.
1: I feel like way more useful most of the time like sometimes Mm -hmm. technology does the thing that everybody notices during (laughs) mercury retrograde but it's almost like um like everybody's moving at my pace or I don't know I find I find mercury retrograde often much more useful because um, uh, the rest of the time, I'm not quite sure how I'm not communicating
0: clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, what about you? I wish I felt better. I feel like I don't. I feel like it's really hard. I think it depends, yeah. like, which sign Mercury is in collectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think since I have Mercury in my third house mm-hmm.
2: in Capricorn uh, yeah. with
0: like my big stellium of like five planets and I mm-hmm. have so many like anxious planets in there with like Uranus and Neptune and my Sun and Saturn.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I feel like it just gets like a little too messy. Mm hmm hmm <laughs> I'm like I'm falling apart <laughs> <laughs>
1: well yeah because I have a very similar stellium in the third house and I know we do different um, sign systems but uh, but instead of Mercury being there I have Venus because mm. I have yeah and my son there as well and so my Mercury got to be like in its own space; <laughs> it gets the fourth house all to itself, <laughs> and it uh, has that's a little so bit more spaciousness.
0: Mine is the so opposite. Just, oh, is your Venus in fourth house? Uh huh. Where it's like all alone. That's delightful. <laughs> well, was my north mode, I, but you know, it's not. A I wonder if that's
1: a piece of it, though. Is like you have so much. Um, for me, having that much in third house feels like I have, I have this mental image of this like, game of telephone that's happening if they're all sitting on like a park bench together. and mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Mostly I, f- I feel like all the uh, outer planets, plus Venus, are just like sitting there trying to decide what my son should do, because my son's uh, degrees-wise farther away from the rest of them. But so I feel like they're yelling, like, mixed messages at my son while it like tries to go play in the playground and like one of them's like, Oh Quinn! the jungle's
2: in, no go do the things. Like
1: And my poor little son's like, oh are you want to do at all. Um, so I could imagine having Mercury there trying to facilitate that conversation and make it easier in some ways and harder in others.
0: How was Venus and Capricorn this past like, two months for you. I mean, I know it's been, in like, in Aquarius for the past month, but there was a good chunk of time where it was all retrograde and moving through uh-huh. Capricorn and it probably hit everything okay. for you. Yeah. <sighs>
1: well, Pluto has been moving conjunct my sun at the same time.
2: Oh. Um,
1: so it is kind of hard for me to tease tease between those two. (laughs) Tease out what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, And yeah, I Venus and Neptune are conjunct at 11 degrees in Capricorn for me. So I think Venus retrograded and was conjunct there for a bit. But Pluto moving into conjunction with my sun feels very like Similarly, of just a lot of relational pieces and figuring out how, what containers, like, you know, I was talking about social media as a container and how I very intentionally created those other containers for my book to be held in before moving out in those concentric circles. Felt very connected to being intentional in relationship to my voice. And who I wanted to be in relationship with my voice and be held before moving further out. And that process all happened in, I'm pretty sure, Venus retrograde. So I think that was, I thought a lot about containers. I think about a lot about containers in general because I'm a potter and Mm. make containers and I'm a therapist. So I hold Mm. a therapeutic container. And so I always get curious about what, if I feel uncomfortable in a container, trying to notice which of my conditions for well-being aren't possible in that container or aren't available or aren't there already. And are there ways that I can bring that into the container? Because during that period, I almost took a teaching job But discovered that the space didn't have a container with enough communication integrity for me to actually feel a sense of well being there. There There's a lot of like indirect communication or unclear expectations, or um, right from the beginning. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) I will not thrive in a container that does not have direct communication. Otherwise, then just a ton of energy leaks out and in a way that is not actually beneficial or nourishing anything. So I think that was what Venus retrograde really brought into my awareness. What kind of container
0: I thrive in? A plant that is me, what kind of container do I need? Wow, that is so cool to think about. You're such a good thinker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my my Gemini moon appreciates that. <laughs> uh, what about you? How was Venus retrograde
0: in your How world? Was it? Um, I think it brought. Some miscommunications. Well, we had... We had Mercury Retrograde in there for a while, too, right? While it was going on.
1: You're probably right. My brain has kind of dumped (laughs) some of the recent past, but you're probably
0: right. I feel like I made... Like, quick judgments about things that ended up Mm. not being... They ended up just being quick judgments Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and it made me think about how I could be more caring Mm -hmm. and how I should not make up, maybe like jump to conclusions or take on other people's anxieties as my own. Like thinking about it as like a container because it's Capricorn, like creating boundaries around my own feelings and not taking on other people's feelings. Where then I like, because it's very like the game of telephone.
2: Because it's like
0: you're already taking something that's like skewed because it's an anxiety. And then taking it on as your own. It's like it magnifies it. I think especially with me having like Neptune conjunct my son. Like I'll just (laughs) make up shit. And then it drains my energy. Where I need to like stop doing that. Yeah. But it's so hard.
1: (laughs) That's why I need direct communication. Yes. Yeah, your brain tries to make sense of millions, millions of bits of data constantly. And we read so many nonverbals and filter them through what patterns we've seen in the past Mm -hmm. Um, and if you don't feel like you have the permission in your relationship to double check because there really is a difference between your perception and your interpretation because you're probably like disproportionately high absolutely accurate that you are perceiving some kind of shift or change because you're really good at that And then your interpretation is the one that is often missing puzzle pieces. So you're guessing like the thousand piece puzzle is a draft based off of 500 puzzle pieces when you're missing 500 of them. So you're making your best guess and you really need the other 500 puzzle pieces to do that puzzle and discover it's actually, I I don't know. It was actually a tree it was never a dress. <laughs> so um I hear you on that that is why I like one of my conditions for well-being in any container is to be able to check out what I'm noticing or name those shifts and ask somebody to share their pieces so that I'm not always defending or making up my stories I just have to talk about it and that is how I manage being really sensitive in this world is developing a relationship where I can just ask.
0: I know. It's such a concept, right? Just asking.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can stop making up stories. I don't know if your brain will ever stop trying to put the puzzle pieces together.
0: Yeah, for but sure. But if
1: you think you can ask for the other pieces and have a better chance of like, having a complete puzzle.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest thing is I need to like not act on it or like wind myself mm. up so much. hmm hmm Makes sense. I thought Especially it would be a Mercury retrograde. I know. I thought mm-hmm. it would be more exciting with like Venus conjuncting my Venus. Hmm it wasn't relationship on relationship
1: (laughs) (laughs) would you like a relationship cake got layers
0: that would have been nice i would have taken some funfetti (laughs) frosting please yeah I think it's just like a relief when things move out of something that you're having a hard time with. Like, I feel like I had a very like difficult end to the Pisces season where it just felt like Uh, so watery. uh And then Uh the moment it went into Aries, I felt better. Maybe not even better, but just like different, which felt like a breath of fresh air.
1: Yeah, Cause you're I mean, gonna, the, interesting like, thing
0: about,
1: the interesting thing about being a therapist is I got to watch everybody do that, <laughs> where, like, these seasonal shifts, I'm uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, that's a collective thing. Everybody looks like they're drowning right now.
0: We'll, we'll get through. Yeah, we'll that's okay, so but, interesting. How can you, um, how do you, like, create a container to not, like, take on everybody's stuff hmm.
2: I
1: I think the thing that is most soothing for my nervous system is the core belief that every experience has potential to be meaningful and it's borrowed partially from Victor Frankl's work in logotherapy, which he um, he survived the Holocaust, he's Jewish. and He survived the Holocaust in the concentration camps and lost so much. And he developed this theory while he was in the camps that the one thing, like we can't control what happens to us, and everything else can be taken away except our capacity make meaning of it and because I've watched so many people pass through so many challenging and painful experiences and over time create and transform them into meaning and growth and learning that I hold on to that, whatever's happening in the room. And I don't prematurely try to force that on somebody or like even say that out loud because nobody really needs to hear, like, this at some day point will be meaningful while they're in pain. They just need you to stay and acknowledge that it's painful right now. Um, but in my own head and my own body, I, remind myself over and over again like this too will be meaningful um otherwise when something is meaningless and painful you feel despair if something feels both awful and like it has no value and should just not be happening is when I think we take on and are trying to solve force somebody a situation or make a situation stop or try I think that's when I get absorbed Which Absorbi. <laughs> <laughs> when I absorb um, is, is when I'm in that place trying to solve or make something stop happening because I perceive it as meaningless or just something that shouldn't be happening um, but if I believe that it's meaningful and I trust that that person has the capacity and the magic to, at some point, like, compost that experience and turn it into the nutrients and meaning. And I don't carry it in the same way because I can't make meaning for other people, but I can walk with them while they make meaning. And my, I, I'm not a solving or a getting rid of or getting over person or counselor, I am a elaborating and including and expanding oriented counselor. And so, yeah, I just hold, hold the hope that it will be meaningful and that it will add to their... Complexity and experience and elaboration over time.
0: I love that. That feels very Scorpio. Yeah,
1: my um, I think a lot of my counseling comes from the fact that I have Jupiter in the eighth house and Taurus, so I'm very much like a let's embody all of this transformational healing. <laughs> and I do a lot of somatic work and uh, Scorpios in my first house too, so.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you feel, Pluto. Scorpio? Ooh,
1: you come in with a big question. I, I like know they're very answer. heavy. <laughs> no, they're beautiful. <laughs> Which direction do I go? My, <laughs> my Gemini moons, like all of them. Um, uh, I feel Scorpio. So my my brother was a Scorpio, and he passed away when I was eight, and... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, he was was amazing, and so very much like magnetic, mysterious, creative, wonderful version of Scorpio, and my mom is also Scorpio Moon, so um, I feel Scorpio In so many ways. And. I have such an intimacy and relationship to mortality. Because when you lose somebody that close in that young, you never don't know. That death is a possibility. Like it's just in your body, in your muscles. Like I have preemptively grieved, anticipatory grieved my parents since I was eight years old. Like I've always been able to feel on some level how earth changing and um, just how big that grief will be. And so I, it means that I love people in a unique way. And that I appreciate people and I say goodbye in a very deeply intentional way. And there's not a moment in any of my relationships where somebody doesn't know how much they matter to me because I know it might be the last time all the time. Like my eight year old little self learned that so thoroughly. And so I don't participate in relationship in a way that I will have many regrets because I am very present and intentional in how, how I relate to the temporality of all of our existence. (laughs) Wow. What a big
0: lesson to learn so young.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And are good at appreciation and telling you I love you and why you are irreplaceable and magic because that's what that opened my eyes to so that's the meaning right of like when I was eight if you told me you would make so much meaning of the fact that you're going to lose somebody so important so early he was 21 um And I would have probably had no idea what you're talking about. i also probably been pretty pissed off at you. And I know from like lived experience in my body that over time, it has been one of the most enriching and meaningful experiences and shifted the way that I relate to the world entirely so i think it's probably a big part of what informs my ability to stay in grief without absorbing it or feeling like it's meaningless
0: wow okay on to lighter subjects (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where are you this?
0: <laughs> I want to hear like what your thoughts are with okay, you proposed, which I love. I
2: did.
0: I did. <laughs> Can you tell us how you proposed number one and number two, are you thinking about like when you're gonna have the wedding? because like I think it's so interesting. I wasn't really that into astrology when we planned our date. And I think uh-huh. it's so interesting that we ended up having it when the sun was in my seventh house, mm-hmm. which uh-huh. just felt oh, like very it. perfect. Oh goodness! Okay.
1: Well, I it took me a long like one of my core identities as a like college age me was that I hated the institution of marriage. And I was not going to participate in it. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I, like, started hearing this much quieter part of me that was, like, I want to celebrate my love. And I'd been with my partner at that point. (laughs) And I'd been with my partner at that point for uh, years. And he is amazing in that he was, like, okay. I am not going to spring this question on you and I will be totally okay if we never get married because I'm so happy just in our love and our story. And if you ever change your mind, I'm here. And I was like, okay, so there was zero pressure on his part or expectations. And, um, and I think in a lot of ways he just accepted the fact that it, Probably never going to happen because I was very vocally like, no marriage. And it was as I realized how important ceremony was to me and ritual Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. time, and how those rites of passage or those transition spaces, the thresholds, and honoring the thresholds that you pass through life and reflect on them, um, that I began to like really consider it. And I I had such like it was such a small voice in me, and it was a very sweet and soft voice. It's just like I want the people that I love to surround my love and love because I think the project of loving somebody over the span of a lifetime needs a community of support and people that also believe in that project with you, people that are Supportive and keep reorienting you towards that initial spark, right? That first wand energy, reminding your Ace of Wands when you're in those Nine of Wands places in your relationship. Um, They're having that concentric circle, right? This moving out, this taking my love beyond the confines of my like one-on-one relationship with my partner uh, is ultimately why I decided. That it was something I wanted. Um, I don't love the access to privilege that it creates because I think it's an unfair um, barrier to a lot of uh, a lot of different benefits. Like you get insurance benefits and tax benefits and social benefits from labeling your relationship in this way that society approves of, which Mm -hmm. makes my rebellious Aries in Mars and Aries ask like, no, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Um, But what we've decided is that with those benefits, we're just going to do our best to disperse that privilege. Like if we get uh, insurance benefits, no, like, how what resources we're getting back from that and redistribute and rather than not accessing that privilege is using that access privilege as a way to like spread spread what is available out further into the world and so that's one of the ways i wrap wrapped my rebellious head around <laughs> the institution of marriage but so um I Went through, and I picked all the poems that I had written about him over the years. And on our anniversary, which is in Gemini season, and both of us are Gemini moons, I proposed to him on this rock in the middle of a creek that
2: Mm. we've been going
1: to for years. While he reads me "Wind in the Willows" out loud, he's an amazing narrator. And he thought that's what we're going to do. And instead I handed him the book of poems and I was like, read this instead. And he read out loud every one of my poems in the like tone that I actually felt like I wrote it in. Like the pace and the energy. And he had, I think, very little idea that I was proposing to him. But what I ended up proposing rather than marriage was like I would like to propose that we have the conversation about what it means to get married and what is like I wanted to propose the ongoing conversation so that it wasn't this like Gemini (laughs) right I want to propose and open up this topic of discussion Um, so that felt more honest to me and one of the reasons that I knew that I could I could step into this space with him was that he came up with alternative vows which weren't that I promise never to change or I promise to like love you in exactly the same way he promised to change and he promised that that love would change for him and that we would do our best to grow alongside each other and to love each other into wholeness if for whatever reason you can't walk that path anymore. And that feels like a promise I can actually make, but the promise of I won't change does not work with a Scorpio first house, Gemini moon, <laughs> <rising. laughs> you can't make that promise because <laughs> I have changed so radically over time. Um, But gosh, you know, he has loved every part of me before I accepted that part of me. Like, he loved my astrologer while I was still, like, writhing in discomfort because I grew up Christian and was like, why do I love this thing that I set out to, like, disprove because I hated how Capricorn was being described. I was like, oh, but I love it. I know. What do I do with this? And so he just, like, I was so excited and wanted me to read everybody's chart and told everybody I was an astrologer long before I was like, I'm an astrologer. Um, so I don't really doubt that he will have the capacity to love my changing self. He's much better at it than I am. Um, but so this is the concentric circle thing. The With the celebrating, I am going to do multiple ceremonies. And one of them is going to be very small and close in. My little sister got ordained so she can marry us. And it'll probably have under 10 people. But, like, all of my most ritual-oriented, safest-in, concentric circle of people will be part of that ceremony. And then we're going to do ceremonies on the Oregon coast because this is where he grew up. And to connect to the land that grew him, and to connect me to the family that he's from, and then we'll do one on the land that I grew up in in New Mexico, and to connect him to my family's lineage, because we're both taking each other's names, and so we're gonna we're gonna like formally invite and introduce each other to the people and places that helped us to come or are the core of our identity and then we're going to have like a potluck dance party that I'm not planning at all other than you get to come and you get to bring food and we're going to dance a lot with whoever wants to come then because then by that point all of the like tendermost pieces will have been held in these containers with lots of integrity and then if there's like you know, just a fun celebration with community that I don't feel the need to, like, manage or make meaningful in any particular way, but just gets to be fun and light. Um, That's the plan. To to do a gradual thing instead of trying to shove them all into one space. because It's kind of incongruent. Like, the people that I want to have a potluck dance party with are different than the people that I want to, like, Go do like deep, <laughs> deep ceremonial ritual um, bonding with. So that's, that's the plan.
0: But oh my I'm God, guessing. That is so cool. It's so Virgo with the whole <laughs> circle and circling back to our circles. We've got circles upon circles. So yes.
1: That's the way I've wrapped my head around.
0: It's so thoughtful and intentional, which is very cool.
1: I don't think I could have taken this step without a lot of intentionality because I was very resistant to it. Like, if you had talked to me five years ago, it would have been a zero possibility, (laughs) chance. which is why I can't promise not to change. Because every time I tell myself something will never happen, (laughs) um, it absolutely happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. I have Pluto on my ascendant. And Mm -hmm. my husband is like, I've been married to like six different people within the (laughs) past five years. (laughs) Which is just very true.
1: I feel that in my bones. In my Capricorn bones. (laughs)
0: like i just can't help it like one person dies off and then another one is there with no warning (laughs) with a whole new medium yes for sure Mm -hmm. oh oh my god what a beautiful story oh thank you for holding it so beautifully so, do you know, have you ever, like, did you plan the dates yet? Not yet. You know,
1: we're not in any kind of hurry. We were, we dated for five years before I proposed. And uh-huh. it will be a year that we've been engaged
0: on May 25th. Um, I feel like a lot of Virgo energy for the yeah. ceremony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, he's got so much Virgo. I can't even tell you <laughs> how much he's taught me about Virgo. Virgos are so <laughs> dependable. It like hurts my soul a little bit because I just wish I had more of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've got so much of the fish of the Capricorn. Is yeah. felt like Pisces, Capricorn? You're like I'm mostly mermaid. Actually,
0: it's just so different. You know what I mean? Like, Virgos are just so grounded and, like, logical at the same time and unemotional. It feels like. Like, cool, calm, and collected. Sometimes. I mean, externally? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) he's got a Gemini moon, so... I'm thinking of my sister, who's like, okay. <laughs> she is, she's a Capricorn sun, but a Virgo moon and a Virgo rising. Mm-hmm. And she just feels like the most Virgo human I know. Mm-hmm. And just like, so Virgo, which is redundant, I know, but... <laughs>
1: Like, I love them. Just, well,
0: and she sounds like so much earth, so much earth. I <laughs> think the sour. rest of the chart matters so much <laughs> That's because very true. Because
1: um, my partner has so much air and fire, and even some really strong water placements. So
0: it's not all yeah. there is to them.
1: No, I think people at work probably experience his Virgo a lot. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's in need or, like, if he's taking care in some way, it has a very Virgo tending to it. And then, you know, he's also such a big kid.
0: I can't wait to see moon. what my baby signs are. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Like, well, I'm gonna need to know the exact moment that he comes out.
1: No, it has to be there, standing, staring at the phone instead of you. Yes,
0: so important. (laughs) Don't look away from the clock. Don't look at me. (laughs) I'm probably gonna give my sister the Virgo task of recording the data because I feel like that's a great job for her. Good plan. Good plan
1: hmm <laughs> I'm so grateful
0: so in my life. So. Are there any other like last thoughts that you have or any like stone that we haven't turned? Oh, mm,
1: I think you've done a beautiful job intuitively. Oh. Um. Getting all the pieces of the story. I'm just so grateful to get to talk to you. In, Will you read us one last
0: poem? <laughs> I'm Do so you have greedy. a preference for well, like whichever a one, sign? whatever your favorite is? Oh,
2: my favorite. Oh man, that's.
1: I don't know that that is possible. <laughs> <Well, laughs> Um and would you like to hear and between Pisces and Aries? Pisces because we have talked about it a bit and Aries because we're an Aries. People. Either.. Mm. All right, let's do Aries. Okay.. okay. Aries. Bounds into being. Accompanied by returning wings, blossoms, bravery, and ungainly new beings. Here, the call to come, the heart's spark in its heart answering the sun's glow. Grows in the reckless abundance of flowers unfurling in the face of frost. Grows in the exuberance of birds building despite the threat of wind. Grows in the abandon of plants. Waking with only the hope of rain. Knows intrinsically the alchemy of risk and wonder. The blend needed to first begin. To first emerge. To first step. To leave winter shelter. Take the chance to dance. To bloom. To
0: reach for the light. Inside and out. Wow, you really, like, encapsulate the feeling.
2: Uh,
0: I'm really excited for you
1: to get see the, the collages that go with them, because I made the collages in, like, a 72 hour, like, art <laughs> <a> feud state. <laughs> um, and they came after the poem. So they're those visual companions to the poems, and I think Combined, it's a whole sensory experience.
2: I
0: love them. that. Where can everybody buy your poetry? Um, so to see all of
1: all of my projects and my little sister, who's my my partner in all things, you can go to the dot and weird is spelled W Y R D. Um, and I do most of the poetry on mini.myth.astrology on Instagram. And we also have a pottery Instagram that is the sisters weird. Again, weird. W-Y-R-D. <laughs> um, yeah, but their website has links to buy the book and also links to the other anthology that we're both part of and has Lily's printmaking and she does these fabulous watercolor uh, curvy ladies and it's a really sweet spot She's working on a project to talk about our artistic legacy from both sides of our family because we have artists on on both sides so
0: I love that I love some sister action And she's a Pisces. Oh, Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It's so lovely because I think that's one of the first 10 episodes.
1: Yes, you were like one of the
0: OGs.
1: Yeah. So it's so cool to get to see you this far into this project and still having such beautiful conversations we're still chugging along nine (laughs) of (laughs) wands
0: do we do we remember the spark what was the spark the spark was definitely having like great conversations which i feel like is (laughs) still happening despite editing and being consistent which i am not but (laughs) (laughs) we move forward
1: well, it's consistency over, like, um, the long term.
0: Yes. And Not it's a, constant. Yes. But it's
1: consistent over time.
0: Yes, I love that. That is me. Yeah. Yeah. You are great. Oh, thank you so much again.
2: Thank you. be someone of a
0: To the Alabama shakes For today's Theme song Hold on Love it Love Jubilee Loved this episode I know you guys did too um, Rate and review If you have a minute Give it five stars Give us a lovely review So other people can find the podcast and until next time, I'm going to miss you guys um, while I'm having this bebe. But I'll be back. And I can't wait to talk to you again. And big love to you guys. Big smooches. Mwah.
2: You gotta hold on. You gotta hold on. You gotta hold.